This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment, where they pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company. Making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the Show Up Dad. This is a podcast that's built for tradesmen, fathers who are hardworking. Our special guest today is none other than Vladimir Billick Jr. Vladimir has been married to his wife, Susanna, for 17 years. Together, they have two children, a son, Boston, who's 15 years old, and a daughter, Kaya, who's 14 years old. Vladimir's parents immigrated from Czechoslovakia back in to New Jersey in 1969, then moved to Santa Clarita, California in 1984. Now, Vladimir is starting to transition into line work. Before that, he was a truck driver where he had been featured in numerous magazines, articles, and travel channel, and even earned a spot on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. Okay. From 1993, he drove trucks for around 20 years. That's a long time for him to be driving trucks. That's awesome. But he transitioned to the line work now in 2015 and has now earned a place as a first-step apprentice at the JATC at Cal Nevada Apprenticeship, probably the best apprenticeship out there in the country. So I want to welcome you to the show up, Dad Vladimir. Once again, dude, thank you for coming on, brother, and just thank you, bro. Thank you, Dave, for that introduction. A uh, pleasure for me to be here with you. Absolutely, Vladimir. Can you uh, go ahead and tell us about your childhood and what you remember about your father's presence and the impact you had in your life, if you don't mind? Uh, sure. You know, uh, you know, my dad, like, like you, you explained, my mom and dad, they came here in 1969, year before I was born, in uh, New Jersey. Uh, lived out there for 14 years until we moved out here to California. You know, the early part of my life, I just remember my dad working a lot. So a lot of graveyard shifts. He, he used to work at a uh, carton printing plant. They used to make like milk cartons. Big, big assembly plant. I mean, big, big assembly line and uh you know him coming over here from another country uh must not have been very easy for him you know i know it wasn't easy for me because you know as, as a child coming into kindergarten i only spoke one language and that was czechoslovakian so that language barrier affected us both you know as, as a young kid for me and my, my father being a young immigrant coming over from czechoslovakia um you know, he was, like I said, he was, he was a really hardworking guy that uh, I think that's where my, my brother and I both get our work ethic from. Like, that's the one thing I know I've taken from my dad. Um, he was very, you know, I'd love to sit here and say how, you know, he, he was instrumental in a lot of the things, but I think that work ethic plays such a huge role in life forever. Um, but he grew up in that communist reg regime, you know, where I think a lot of it was just uh, fathers were different over there, you know? And so when he came here, I, I not that we were ever treated bad. <laughs> he never laid a hand on me or my brother, mm -hmm. but I knew when he said something, it meant something. Um, and all my mom ever had to tell me was, Hey, wait till your dad gets home. And uh, that's all I needed to know. And that was a, a very, that's something I've carried on through with my kids um, that I've never needed a, you know, do anything outside of just let them know what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And hopefully that, you know, sticks yeah. with them. Hmm. Man, that's, that's, that's awesome. Cause you hardly ever see that anymore. You know what I mean? Now, nowadays kids are highly disrespectful. You know, they don't honor their parents anymore or anything like that. And uh, it's kind of crazy because the way you described your childhood, your father just had to give you that look. And that's the same thing with me my father just had to give me that look and i knew you're gonna pay the man <laughs> you know what i mean and, and we would stop you know what i mean 
And yeah. uh, I think that's that level of fear and not really fear, but respect, respect, respect. for your elders, you know? Absolutely. Respect is the word. Yes. Mm. Like I said, my mom said, wait till he gets home. It was over. <laughs> like, mm, right. <laughs> that, that was like, that was like getting a spanking, I guess, you know, it was just like, wait till your dad. Get, oh, shoot. Then mm. I'm just hoping and praying that he, she forgets to remind him of whatever I had done wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> No, absolutely, brother. Um, what are some of the things that your father taught you that you continue to share with with your children? You know, I know you said at work ethic, that was one of the big things, but what yeah. else can you share with us? You know, there was always a, I, I kind of want to put this the right way again, because my dad was very, I don't want to say closed off, but mm-hmm. we didn't have very many heart to hearts, you know? So, so it was more of me watching what he did. And it's kind of, Mm-hmm. the way I think it has way more value for your kids to see what you do as opposed to what they say which of course you want to learn lessons you want to have conversations and I, and I do that like crazy with my kids because mm-hmm. going back to what, what you just asked me is I didn't have a lot of that with my dad you know mm-hmm. I didn't have that one-on-one heart-to-heart hey dad you know going through high school dealing with girls uh, playing sports you know my, my dad wasn't an athlete you know he was he went into the service right out of high school over there, you know, and then mm-hmm. he came over here right after that. Like he, his life was just boom, 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 changed dramatically. Um, so, you know, but I just remember simple little things like him telling me a story about when he was in school and they used to pick on this girl. Uh, simple story, but for whatever reason, it, it constantly reminds me to remind my kids that always treat other people the way you want to be treated. You know, mm-hmm. don't pick on somebody because they may be less than you or, or whatever issues they may have and your friends may bully them just remember that you don't like to be treated that way yourself. So treat others the way you want to be treated. And it's something that I probably repeat once a week with my, my with my kids, you know, mm-hmm. just, and it's not much more than that. Honestly, I, I'd love to say, Oh, you know, my dad, this, my dad, my dad was a great man. Like he was, everybody loved him. Like he was just that guy that, you know, if there was something going on, they invited my dad, he was funny, you know, but as far as just with me and him, yeah you know even with my brother it felt like I was more of the father figure for my brother growing up like when I came through high school my son my brother I'm sorry my brother was four and a half years younger than me so he was uh he had just stepped into high school when I stepped out Mm -hmm. and it was kind of me constantly you know pushing him and doing for him I guess what I wanted my dad to do for me you know motivating him that like hey don't give up don't quit hey if the coach wants you to run three miles run four you know, run the extra mile, set, set an example for the other guys on your team because you're the captain, you know, and just, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. take it for, you know, good or bad. But uh, I know I look at it like a positive because I've known since, you know, since when my kids were born and my wife and I talked about it, I go, I will never be closed off to my kids. I want them to be able to talk to me about anything. I don't want them to ever not know something or get themselves in a position because they were afraid to ask me. You know, so mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. And it, it's so good to see that you recognize that in your father, not saying that your dad is bad or anything, you know, because my right. father, my father was the same way. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was that generation or whatever, you know, that mindset where, you know, they rather have you watch, you know, lead by what they do versus tell you something, you know, and yeah. um, it's good to see that you saw where there was an imbalance and you made the corrections, you made that shift and you didn't want that in your children. So you're keeping that healthy balance between them. You know what I mean? Where you're showing them by being an example and also, you know, substituting that other part that you didn't get with your father with, you know, just giving them those affirmations that they need, you know, because kids do need those affirmations. You know what I mean? Out of boys are, they go a long way, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, they do. You know, they you. Do. I'm sure you saw that even with the, uh, you know, the the climbing week that we had at the apprenticeship yard. You know what I mean? Where the instructors are walking around encouraging you. Come on, man. You know, step up in yeah. your belt. You know, come on. You can do this. You know, come on. Right. And stuff like that. You yes. know, those those little affirmations help. You know. Absolutely. You know, you think it's it's just small words, but those small words mean a lot. You know, and especially to especially like with my daughter. You know. Mm-hmm. It was just my brother and I. So having a daughter is kind of an eye opener, you know, when you weren't really around girls, you know, or, or, you know, it's just different that, that they really are such different 
creatures than we are. So, oh, yeah. And as a and as a father, it's really like walking on eggshells. Like, because I, again, I want to, I want my daughter to be able to come and be about anything. And I mean, it's great that like there's times, like even now, like we'll wake up in the morning on like this morning. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to go grab breakfast. Hey. And now it's gotten to the point where like she'll just ask me if I can go with you. I'm like, of course. I'm just going to mm-hmm. go do a drive through. She knows. I'm going to drive down about five miles, go pick up some food, come back. But in those five miles there and back, and while waiting in line, it's always some conversation about something. How was school? Hey, are you talking to new guys? And, you know, is this going on? How was volleyball practice? You know, there's always something going on where normally and you're in and out of the house and, you know, wake up, go to work, come back, go to sleep. You really don't even have those five minutes sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's little things like that, that that I value, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's that little one-on-one tongue, that 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 extra critique that they need, you know what I mean, where you get them aside by themselves and then they're able to open up, you know, to you. And that's yeah. so important with our sons and our daughters, you know, and you're absolutely right. Having a daughter and a boy are completely night and day, you know. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. We, we had a past guest on here talk about how with boys, you need to have, they need to have direction. You need to have ground rules for boys. And then you could have that relationship with them, you know? And yeah. for our daughters, we can't raise them the same way. Our daughters, they need to know that they're the apple of your eye, that you care for them, that they're on your mind and you got to have that relationship with them. And then once you establish that, then they'll open up to you. Then they'll, they'll do, you know, they'll do whatever you want them to do, you know, but it's, not until you establish that with our daughters that they're going to be able to do that, you know, and it's, it's important to have that conversation time with them and stuff like that. You know, you're absolutely right. Yes. Uh, Another one of the things I wanted to ask you, Vlad, real quick is, uh, you know, you talked about how your parents were, you know, immigrants, you know, what are some of the challenges that they had to overcome? I can't, you know what I mean? I can't even imagine. I mean, it's probably hard, you know, being an immigrant coming over. Yeah. I I mean, and I think, I think I kind of ran over it earlier, but I think the language barrier was absolutely the biggest because for my daddy, you know, mm-hmm. we, we just lost my dad last December to cancer. Mm-hmm. Sorry to but, hear that. Thank you. Um, but even until, you know, the end, I mean, his English was always very uh, limited. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he was just kind of stubborn to really pick up and become really, <laughs> you know, and he wasn't a very vocal man. So I guess that was part of it. He was more shy. Um, and that's again, tying me, tying into me, you know, when I first started, uh, kindergarten, you know, I came in like uh, a foreign exchange student, you know, I came in not speaking any English because my mom and dad only spoke Czechoslovakian at the house. So that, that, you know, but for me, it's a lot easier to pick up as a, as a kid, you know, you get around it yeah. where, you know, it within a month, you can, you can speak, you know, you can speak the language and, but with my father, over the years, I think that was his biggest, but I don't think it bothered him, you know, he kind of used it to his advantage. I mean, he dealt with antiques and this and that. So maybe people thought he didn't know what he was talking about a lot of times. And my dad was smart and shrewd when it came to that stuff. He knew exactly what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think that really was the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, you know, starting out, getting a job, like I can't imagine what that would be like. That'd be like, to, to, you know, well, not today, but 25 years ago, somebody just putting me in, Portugal and saying, Hey, go find yourself a job, you know, and raise for your family. Yes. You just had a kid. That's great. You know, and now you got to support him and your wife. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine, you know, that's, that takes a lot of strength. So, you know, for my mother and my father, they both did it. You know, they were both working at that time when I was a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. I was going with babysitters and, you know, so yeah, it was, it was a unique time. Absolutely, man. I, and hats off to your father and your mother both. I mean, because you're absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> coming over here and, you know, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture and just having to provide for your family. I mean, that's a that's a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They took a gamble. And, uh, you know, I'm glad they I'm glad they took it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. here I am. I, here's my you know, my brother and I are here because of it. So, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, without them i'm uh, i'm in slovakia right now <laughs> so right right <laughs> you know and, uh, but everything happens for a reason you know yeah, absolutely and that adversity you know what i mean it, it makes you stronger for sure it yes. gives you it builds character you know yeah. um i wanted to ask you vlad you've been driving for about 20 years now 
you know, yeah. tell me a little bit about this Peter Rod that was featured in all kinds of magazines and all that other stuff. You know, tell us, tell our audience a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Pete Rod was a truck, uh, half Peterbilt, half Hot Rod that I had made literally from the ground up because I ordered the truck as a stock truck back then, you know, just spec'd it out, ordered it exactly the way I wanted it. I wanted it specifically a certain way. I wanted a black truck with an orange frame because I wanted the Harley colors incorporated into it. Mm-hmm. Still remember the salesman kind of laughing at me like, well, nobody really orders this Navajo orange. Well, <laughs> I did. And, <laughs> and I ordered it with no cab lights, which back then was like, the only people, the only trucks that have no cab lights are car haulers because they have the rack up on top. So the lights aren't there. They're already built into the rack. Mm-hmm. Uh, by DOT standards, you've got to have five cab lights up there. Well, I didn't want to have any lights up there because I wanted to order nine custom lights and have those installed custom so they spaced out correctly. Sounds silly, but when you order a truck with five and you add two to each side, the spacing is off. And it's my OCD that would just not be okay with. You know, it, it wouldn't have worked with me. Well, when we first set up my truck, I was up in Lancaster with friends of mine. We were putting everything on from the bumper, the lights, to the exhaust pipes, I had the big eight inch pipes, mm-hmm. put the drop visor on it. And the last thing that we were going to put on were the lights. And I looked up at my truck and I thought, that thing looks so mean with no cab lights. And they're like, well, you can't have a truck with no cab lights. It's DOT rules. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to have all these lights on my trailer. Like, what, why is it going to matter? Mm-hmm. And it, not only that, but it was late at night and we just kind of laughed about it. And I thought, you know what? How about I just run my truck without the lights? We'll just keep the lights in the box. That's the way that truck stayed for the next four and a half years that I had it because, and it created a, an image, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it became Pete Rod. It became what I created, which was the whole less is more theme. I mean, it went through a couple of transformations and it was a true working truck, but I had suicide doors on it on remote which oh, wow. didn't always boat so well when it got cold out or my battery went dead. I've got mm-hmm. stories about that. Um, I had the windshield wipers removed from where they normally sit at the bottom of the windshield. And I mounted them from the top to be hidden behind the uh, custom drop down visor. Cause I thought it'd be really cool to have that hot rod look to where the wipers come down from the top, like an old school truck. Mm-hmm. Um, took all the lights off the truck, but I hid them behind stainless panels and I had them slotted. So where the LED shone through, you just didn't see the actual physical, you didn't see the light itself. Mm-hmm. You saw the light coming out, but the light was behind the stainless steel. Mm-hmm. So everything I did to that truck from shaving the door handles off to hiding the wipers, uh, you know, the no cab lights, the clean lights around, um, everything was, you know, to take off something and not really add it. I had a stainless steel floor in the truck. I had a big shifter that that sat about my head. If I was sitting in my truck, the shifter was up to my head. And then mm-hmm. I even took the splitters off of the off the stick shift and mounted them up on a, on the dash. I mean, I had a this. These were all ideas that I had. There was it was the company out in Joplin, Peterbilt, mm-hmm. that gets all the credit for it. They did a lot of the work. There was just ideas that I just kept flowing with things that nobody was really doing. I just thought this is what I want to do. This is how I want to make this truck. And it uh, I I. For the four years I had that truck, Dave, I felt like I never worked a day in my life. And I worked my tail off. I mean, it was 1,000-mile days. It was 20,000-mile months. And I did it for the entirety that I had that truck because that's all I knew. That's Mm -hmm. the harder I ran, the more I made. Produce wasn't like a great revenue maker. But if you ran enough loads, you can make enough money because, you know, you just keep running. You have to run to the East Coast, you know, Massachusetts and come back with a load that paid almost half mm-hmm. to grab another load of produce, which paid double to go back out to the East Coast. And I did that by myself. You know, I was a solo driver. I had my own authority. So I was getting my own loads. Um, and, you know, th- that whole work ethic with my dad kind of tied into the way I drove my truck. I, you know, I want to be the fastest, the best, get it out there. I was always, I felt like I was the reliable guy that anybody can count on. Mm-hmm. And I took great pride in it. And at the same time, I hear I had the show truck now because the first few years of my truck and I had my own truck, but it wasn't this level truck. Mm-hmm. And once I had this truck, it, like I said, I wake up in the morning, somebody would notice the truck and it's, it's like getting into that fancy hot rod that you can't wait to take out on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, you, you got your work schedule, you're, you're, you're coming home and your work truck, but then on a weekend, you get to take out that fancy, sweet 63 split window Corvette or maybe whatever you may have. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that every day. 
And wow. so trucking to me and, and trucking with that truck was, you know, that, that was, I mean, I don't want to jump around too much, but that was one of the harder things for me to become adjusted to when I started driving local mm-hmm. that I kind of gave that up because now I'm driving local and I didn't want to have my own truck anymore. I kind of want to just, I, 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 I lucked out and I got into a really uh, good gig with my brother. We both did to drive local. We, we got brand new trucks, but they weren't that level trucks. They were just a new truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, from 2005 until I got into this trade, 2015, mm-hmm. we did that locally for 10 years. But I just felt like a truck driver then. You know, it was, it was a completely different feeling of what I had with Pete Rod. <laughs> yeah. As I was stepping into this brand new truck, you know, nothing wrong with it. You know, mm-hmm. I was home every night. That was the biggest thing, though. And mm-hmm. that's what I was getting out of mm-hmm. in 2004 is because I got married in August. And then by the end of the year, I just kind of made up my mind that, you know, I mean, there were other things going on, uh, personal things that were going on with the family. And I was just like, and not, not so much like with my wife and kids, because my kids weren't born yet. Mm-hmm. But I just knew, you know what, it's time for me to be home. I want to be yeah. home. I don't want to watch my kids like the, that country song, you know, watching your kids grow up in pictures. I remember listening to that song endless times on the mm-hmm. road. And I knew I don't want to be that guy. And it all worked out for mm-hmm. the best. I mean, because, you know, eventually I found... I found out where I am today and I wouldn't yeah. want, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Uh-huh. Now being on the road like that, anybody who's a traveler or anything like that, a tramp lineman, whatever, you know, truck right. driver, whatever, you have a lot of windshield time and you have a lot of time to think. I did some of my best thinking while being on the road. Now, what did you learn about yourself while you're on the road? You oh know? boy. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times that I would come home and I don't know if it's common with a lot of people, a lot of men, but I would think about how much better of a person I was <laughs> when I was thinking mm-hmm. in that truck, because I had all these great ideas. And I thought, man, when I get home, this is what I want to do to this, this, and this, and this. And I don't know what it was, but why I should have just been writing this stuff down in a book as mm-hmm. I was driving, because my mind was just flowing. Because like you said, you're on your own, you're by yourself. And I enjoyed it. I mean, there's people that can't be by themselves, you know, mm-hmm. that can't be alone without, you know, people in general. And I'm not, never have been that person. Uh, I, you know, and I, I was fortunate that, you know, towards the tail end of driving over the road that my wife was very uh, okay with it. You know, you know, we weren't married yet actually, but we were dating for a couple of years and she knew that was my life that, you know, it was more than a job to me, but uh I, I think just learning and having that independence, you know, I mean, you get a load, it's all about you. And that's, what's different. Again, if I, if I, you know, if I want to compare the trucking and the line trade is mm-hmm. the line trade, you're, you're dependent on other people. You know, it's not just you, you know, you're working on a crew. Yeah. Um, in that truck though, it's you, you know, whether you get that load there on time or not, okay. Weather, traffic may play, but, but it's you. You're mm-hmm. responsible for that load. You sign that document. You know, when you loaded it up in California and you got to be in Massachusetts in three days, well, it's you. You know, you don't have a crew to help you out. Um, so that was a big adjustment for me going from, you know, just me about me, you know, counting on me to suddenly, hey, wait a minute, I've got to answer to other people and I've got, you know, so, um, but. Again, that's, that's the independent thing I'm, I was talking about. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as anything else in trucking, I mean, uh, I guess you just learn to push yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess maybe maybe you saw some of that, you know, when I was in climbing class. Like, I wasn't going to give up because mm-hmm. that's just instilled in me. Like, hey, I might I might, might not be the fastest one, but I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. And in trucking, it was the same thing, you know, but I actually kind of was faster. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the foot on the pedal and not sleeping as much and uh, you know i was i was never and to this day i never did anything to stay awake it was just a natural thing it was just like i was born to drive that truck i and you know i was mm-hmm. part of it. I, w- I was one with it and um you know and i've been i've been searching for that here like within this trade like to try mm-hmm. to feel that same thing and it's literally slowly coming to the point of where i like like i said earlier i i love where i'm at right now Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how now obviously you have to be disciplined to 
to stay up, right? You said you didn't take yes. any stimulants or anything like that, no, yes. other other than coffee or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, so that's discipline. That's focus, right? So, how do you implement that with your children? How do you share that same discipline with your children? Um, I think with them now, mm-hmm. I realize that kids will tune out after the first five minutes of you talking to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you mentioned earlier with my wife, with me, with the apprenticeship, with my wife, with the nursing, mm-hmm. um, going through nursing school right now, they see what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the embellished story of an old man saying it 20 years from now, like, mm-hmm. oh, when I was young, you should have seen what I was doing. They, they're living it right now. You know, they see my wife in a room studying by herself for eight to 10 hours a day. You know, not even coming downstairs to grab breakfast or anything, mm-hmm. you know, and then they see me leave early in the morning, you know, to go to work at 430. Hey, dad, you going to come home today? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure when I'll be home. I'll be home, you know, and then we'll have the 24 hour shift. OK, mm-hmm. you won't see me till tomorrow, you know, and I'll be sleeping all day. But I think the biggest thing is that they actually get to as much as I've had those conversations with them about, you know, giving it your all. You know, what you put in, you get out. You know, I mean, I'm all the old, you know, cliches, you know, I've given them, you know, yeah, and even made up my own. But yet I'd realized the biggest, strongest thing is, is the actual action of what they see. Um, you know, what my wife and I both, ironically, at the same time or coincidentally are trying to accomplish in our lives so late in life, um, which, you know, my wife and I have had, have had this conversation how great of an opportunity we have you know yeah. that maybe maybe it's you know i'm long gone but it's my son who you know pushed his son or wanted his son to be a lineman and my son becomes a lineman just <laughs> a year after i get out of the apprenticeship or something mm-hmm. you know and i'm like that i would love that i would that would that would fulfill me you know for me to get through it and my son to follow but i'm um, you know I, I don't know what path he chooses yet Yeah. Um, But um... this episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest thing to take away. I mean, it'd be easy for me to say like, you know, I talk to my, and I, and I do, we, we talk a lot because my son plays two sports. He, he plays basketball and football for high school. He's pretty good at basketball. He's a pretty good football player, but he just does that to stay in shape and get into a different sport because he loves football. My daughter plays volleyball. She actually played varsity volleyball as a freshman this year. So she's, you know, hopefully stays on that track. Mm-hmm. Um, so me playing high school sports as well, I, I constantly am, am, am in their ears about how important it is and, you know, mm-hmm. to, to practice and to stay in shape and to eat well and, and, and choose your friends wisely because they have such a humongous impact. I mean, us as parents, mm-hmm. you know, we don't see them nearly enough compared to what their friends see them, especially once they get older and they get to go, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my kid, my friend, da, 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 or whoever and whatever. And, you know, the next thing you know, you see them for 20 minutes, but their friends were with them all day, you know, mm-hmm. and day after day that adds up. And it's the importance of having good friends. I mean, it played a huge role for me. Yeah. I mean, not to say I was, you know, I, I wasn't a problem child. If my mom was sitting there next to me, she'd tell you, she goes, oh, he was such a good kid. Yeah, I played basketball and my friends were good kids, too. Like we just didn't get in trouble. Like, you know, it was just weird. It was, I was very fortunate, you know, and maybe a lot of that has to do with my parents and the way they brought me up because I knew how to pick, you know, the path, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, not go down that road, which would have led me somewhere else. Instead, I stayed on the straight and narrow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I hope that my kids do the same thing. You know, I, yeah, I can only, I can only go by what, I see you when they, they come over to our house, you know, my friend, my, my, my son's friends and my daughter's friends. And yeah, there's good ones. And there's, a, there's the ones that I'm like, well, you know, maybe, 
maybe not so much her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe the other one that you told me that she's getting straight A's and, you know, and she's in this and this and this extracurricular, you know, student activity type thing. And I'm like, hey, that's that's really good. Maybe you should hang out with her more often. And, you know, but they're going to choose how they choose. I, yeah. You just hope that your influence kind of, you know, bears some weight with them. And that's the cool thing, too, about being a dad is, you know, we don't have to dictate everything that happens in their life or anything like that. But we do got to lead by that example, like what you're doing, you know, and uh, when they see that you're a man of integrity, a man of your word, and you're actually living what you're preaching, you know, they're going to see that they're going to start recognizing that in their friends. You know what I mean? When when you're modeling that as a father in the house and your wife's modeling that as a mother in the house. They're going to be like, okay, you know, that doesn't register with me. That doesn't click when, when their friends are out of line, you know what I mean? It's going to register in their head and they're going to be like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's not right. You know what I mean? And, you know, our goal as fathers is to help them to make that decision, you know, to help them make wise decisions in life. You know what I mean? Cause kids are going to mess up, you know, people are going to mess up, you know, we, we can't stop that. Right. Correct. All we can do is just teach them to own up to the mistakes and learn from their mistakes, hopefully, and, you know, move on and, and not, try not to make them twice. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Try not to make them twice and uh, move forward and, uh, you know, just, uh, just really guide them. I yes. think, you know? Yeah. Because you, 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 that's the perfect word is guide almost like a, like a bumper cars, you know, they're going to bounce around. They're going to hit this. They're going to hit that, but just keep them in the boundaries a little bit, you know, don't let them wander too far off and get lost in the woods. But that's why we're there. You know, that's why having a parent or both involved is, is so huge, you know, mm-hmm. because of the influence we do, we really do have on them, you know, cause mm-hmm. you think they're not watching and they are, they they're are always watching. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You know, and, there, and there's things that like, even in, in, in our life that I know my, my kids have never experienced, they've never seen, you know, my wife and I argue to the point where anything physical or even even a major argument, to be honest with you. So they've been fortunate that way. But I've always let that, especially my daughter, let them know, like, listen, you need to know that there is nothing okay about ever, you know, a man treating you a certain way that you don't think, you know, mm-hmm. you know wh- where I'm going with it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah that I want you to know, cause you haven't seen it or experienced it. It's, it's, it's okay. Never, you know? And, mm. and I, I probably once a month that just comes out of my mouth with it, just talking to her about whatever, we'll watch a movie and, and just see how this girl just always goes back and da da da. That's, mm-hmm. I want you to know that's why I'm here. You know? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. But. And one of the cool things too, that I've learned and stuff is just, you know, cause my daughter's a teenager as well in high school. And, um, yeah just teaching them healthy boundaries, you know, when say, for instance, as a father, you're beating your daughter down, you're talking, you know, smacked her, you're telling her horrible things, whatever. She's going to eventually think that that's okay. Mm -hmm. So when a guy does that to her, she's going to think that that's okay. You know, versus not growing up in that environment. And all of a sudden when that happens to her in the real world, that's a red flag. She's going to, you know, look at him and be like, you don't talk to me like that and throw check the dude or, you know what I mean? Tell the, the dude, you know what? I'll get my daddy. He's a journeyman lineman. He'll stomp a mud hole in you. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Or, or whatever, you know? Right. Um, right. But uh, no, that that's, that's so important just to, to mimic that good character, that, that, that character that they need to see that's going to help them later on. You know what I yes. mean? Especially when they choose a mate, you know? Yes. But uh, I tell you what, brother, when I, the first day I saw you over there in that pole yard, I was like, who's this cat? You know, and I looked at you and you're about what? Six, five, six, six. Yeah. I'm six, six. Yeah. I'm looking, six, six. I'm looking at you blood and I'm like, holy smoke, that's a big dude, <laughs> you know? And uh, I just couldn't believe it. I was just like super impressed with, you know, that you had the grit to get out there. And then I was like, okay, you know, and obviously, you know, we run you guys to the mill. We're trying to see who really wants this trade. Cause it's not for everybody. Yes. You no, know? absolutely. Yeah. That, uh, I think I've mentioned it to you, Dave, that that week was one of the tougher weeks. Mm-hmm. And I've done Spartan races, tough mutters, you know, different 
things I'm not, when I was in really good shape, CrossFit, you know, challenges, just you name it. And I've been there where you got to push yourself mentally. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped me a ton too, mm-hmm. going through this. Cause I know, and I would mention it to the other guys in the class. I said, always remember your mind is going to give up way before your body does. Mm-hmm. And if you can push through, you will make it through. And, you know, we saw it, you, you know, you were there that first day that the one kid quit right in the middle yeah. of climbing, just mm-hmm. walked down the bottom and he was done and big guy like me, but mentally, you know, he could have done it, mm-hmm. but he didn't want it. And it, again, you said it earlier, you know, who wants it bad enough? Mm-hmm. Nobody there wanted it more, more than me because I knew what I was going up against. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and, you know, I'm the guy that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. You had all the odds stacked against you. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> yes, yeah. they were. You know, and when you guys were asking me if I was fine and how am I doing? I, my answer was always the same. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. But inside I wasn't. <laughs> inside you're all broken up, man. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ripped apart. <laughs> <laughs> now you're 51, Vlad. What inspired yes. you to just come into the trade, brother, if you don't mind me asking? You know, it was a, it was a neighbor friend of mine that, mm-hmm. uh, so this is back in 2015 and he'd always brought up like, Oh, you need to come work with me. And I was just like, well, you know, um, I'm good where I'm at. I like trucking. I, I, I enjoy it. I'm home every night. He goes, well, you'll be home every night. You know, I could, I could put you in a yard. You can just learn the material, you know, man, you'll be a good yard guy. I know how you are meticulous with stuff. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, and then just one thing led to another. I went in one day to my, uh, the boss I had down there for 10 years and I said hey uh basically I was asking for a raise and he told me uh yeah we can't do it right now and I thought well I've been with you 10 years been pretty much making the same amount of money salary mm-hmm. good money you know good benefits but you won't even give me a raise huh okay and my my mind literally just went into that was the reason I needed like it it wasn't like, well, this is going to be way better. This is like, it was, this is the change I want to make right now. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I made that change. And I, I worked as a yard guy for two years with a hotline, mm-hmm. got my groundman ticket, spent a little time on a, on a, on a 60 crew actually as a groundman, uh, which was really hard. And especially knowing nothing about the, the job itself, you know, just, I knew the material, but mm-hmm. Working as a groundman, I knew nothing about. And that, that was like being thrown to the dogs. And uh, I did that for a few months. And then me and another groundman that were down there started holding him down there. And we did that. I, I did that and back and forth on a crew for the next just over a year, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that puts us around 2018. And I actually applied for the apprenticeship then. So in May of 2018, I, I applied But it was more of I'm applying because I don't want to be a groundman and really a hole digger. And I've done a lot of the hole digging, Mm -hmm. but I didn't think my reasoning was was like strong, I guess you could say. It was almost like, well, I'm going to give this a try type of thing. But as I was applying for the apprenticeship, I also was getting letters of recommendation from some people. And uh, the guy who had originally hired me, I got a letter from him. And he called me. He asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm digging out in Santa Barbara. I said, we're doing five tens. And I said, it's costing me money to work right now, it feels like, because I'm not getting enough hours. And I'm driving 90 miles each way in my truck. So between fuel and not enough hours, I'm like, I'm just not enjoying myself, to be honest with you. I said, I don't mind the digging. I said, but just dealing with the traffic and coming home from Santa Barbara. And he offered me a job up north in 1245. It was a surge arrestor project. Offer me better scale than groundman, offer me double per diem, a company truck. And I'm like, holy cow. And all I had to do was go out and get my crane cert, which I did like in two weeks. I flew to Dallas and got my crane cert. And I took that opportunity, which kind of sidetracked the whole apprenticeship thing because this opportunity was so good for me. I thought, man, maybe I can just skate through the next 15 to 20 years of my life doing something like this, quality control, you know? Um, but while I was up there, I did that. I was with Cupertino Electric up there for almost three years. It was mm. prior to just coming back here, prior to coming to Hampton Tedder and applying. I actually applied for the apprenticeship when I was still up there in Cupertino. Because at some point last year, I just made the decision. I said, no, 
this 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 life is not for me as far as being a QC guy, working in a yard. I know I can just be that guy, that old guy that works in the yard and somebody will probably pay me, maybe even operator scale. And I'm like, but there's no ambition. There's no goal. There's no sense of, I don't feel like I'm part of that brotherhood. I think that was the biggest thing mm-hmm. was even though I was making as good money as QC, I wasn't one of those guys, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. a journeyman lineman. And suddenly that became this, like mantra of mine, like I want to become a journeyman line. Okay. What do I got to do? Okay. Mm-hmm. They weren't taking it. You know, there was no new classes because of COVID. So that whole year kind of got wiped out until I found out that the new class was opening up or the new interviews were coming in. I'm sorry, application process. So I applied, not only did I apply, I drove down to Riverside or to the JATC. And I was there physically at 3am in the morning to be one of the first ones to hand in my application. Cause mm-hmm. I thought, there's nothing I'm, I'm not cutting any, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to shortchange myself on this one. I'm going to physically hand this in. And when that interview comes, hopefully I'm one of the first, which I was. Um, and I got ranked 20, I think 29th. But then I, what I saw was after the different waves of interviews would come in, I, my, my little ranking would go up and down, up and down, up and down, up until I was like 84. And that's when I got the call to come into uh, the apprenticeship you know, for climbing class. And I was nervous as heck (laughs) because I'm like, this, this is real now. Like, you know, and everybody that's worked with me knows like, Hey, you know, you need to, you know, start climbing. I'm like, I know, but like where I can't just go to a random pole and start climbing. I can do it at work. And it just, at the end of a day, after working 12 to 16 to 24 hours, I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm beat. I'm, Mm -hmm. And I never want to sit there and say, I'm an old guy. That's why I'm not doing it. No, I was just beat. I mean, I come home and I want to rest. And when I'm home, I literally just rest, rest mm-hmm. to get ready for the next day. And uh, so when I showed up at climbing class, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, looking out at those poles. I thought, oh, this is it right mm-hmm. here. You know, I'm either doing it or I'm not. And mm-hmm. there's no chance in hell that I'm not because I'm not going back to work being that guy that I didn't get through. And I'm never going to sit there and say, well, because I was an older guy. Oh, BS. Mm-hmm. You either want it or you don't. And like I told you, there was nobody in that group of 13 that were left that wanted it more than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing it. Everybody has their re- reason. You know, I guess we can tie all this together. Seeing my kids see me do this mm-hmm. meant everything to me. And there was no way I was ever going to let them down. You know, mm-hmm. they may have said to me, oh, dad, don't worry. You know, I know you tried hard, but it wouldn't have been okay with me. So you know, it meant everything to me that they were here to see this, to witness it. You know, I talked to my wife every night. I had a couple friends I would call after class, you know, especially Wednesday. Wednesday was the hardest day. <laughs> Wednesday is that day that you assign, I'm pretty sure, on purpose to just, you know, <laughs> hey, we're trying to weed out everybody. And see that old guy over there? Well, yeah, that old guy, <laughs> that old guy wasn't having it. And I know, he, <laughs> I know it felt like, you know, you were waiting and waiting. And I, I remember coming off the pole and we'd be just talking about, and I'm like my hands on my knees, which is probably the worst thing I could do. And I'm like, I think I'm going to pass out, but I can't <laughs> tell them, <laughs> but I'm really like gasping for air right now. And I know they're going to have me go right back up that pole again. So I might as well just suck it up and get ready. And of mm-hmm. course there we went again. And I just, uh, you know, I would talk to my son about it. And I just told him, I'm like, I hope you get to experience this one day, but mm-hmm. just know that you absolutely positively can do it. You just have to want to do it. Cause if I did it, if I did it, there's nobody that can't do it. Mm-hmm. How about that? I mean, you know, yep. there's nobody that really can't do it. No, do they want to do it? That's another thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't give myself another option. I, I knew that I could easily just w- wade down at the groundman level and, and just be whatever, use my crane cert and go be an operator. But no, I, mm-hmm. I want that journeyman lineman ticket. I want to be, I want to be that guy. And that's that mindset, you know, your mindset, like you talked about earlier, you know, you don't mind, you know, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Mind, you know, mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. That's a saying that we had in the military and uh, it holds true even in the line work. You know what I mean? It's uh, when you're on top of that pole, you know, and you're changing out a transformer, it's a blizzard and you're thinking to yourself, what in the hell am I doing? You know what I mean? You're freezing your butt off and all these different things. You got to just, put your mind somewhere else, get the job done, you know what I mean? And be safe, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, 
that that's that's the really cool thing about our trade you know and just you having that mindset and i like what you said too about how what's stopping other people from doing this you know you're 51 years old and I, you know you're in good shape you know you're yeah. you know I, I thought you're in pretty good shape you know and you know all your tough mutters and everything you do you know what i mean that's that's some hard stuff you know what i mean but climbing is one of those things like wrestling you can run, you can do burpees, you can lift weights, you can do all these different things. But unless you're actually de- dealing and doing with the actual movement that climbing has involved in, yeah, there's nothing like it. There's no exercise that's going to mimic it at all, unless you're climbing. You're absolutely right. You know? Yeah. But uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, what you said about your children and just being that example to them, dude. I just want to commend you because your courage and boldness that you and your wife are both displaying to them, you know, just showing them that, Hey, if you have dreams to go after them, I mean, that's a testament. And that's really why I asked you to come on to this podcast. Cause I thought that was so yeah. unique and important for other fathers to see that, Hey, your kids are looking at you and it's never too late for you to be that role model in their life. Right. You know, you know I, we, we kind of glossed over my wife, but, it's she's she's a big part of my inspiration mm-hmm. you know she's been in this for two and a half years now three years so while I was away you know I was, I was away from home three years you know mm-hmm. I was up in Cupertino Electric working up there I'd come home on the weekends and either drive back fly back depending on what yard I was at where I was working and she's always been one to support me you know I, I'm super fortunate and a lot of this wouldn't be possible if I didn't have a wife like her that was open to, you know, me chasing after a goal or a dream that I want to become at this age, because she could easily be like, hey, just do what you're doing here. Just be close to home. The kids are in school, you know, blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, at the same time, you know, she's going through her thing and I'm seeing what she's going through. And I'm like, if she can become that person, then I know I can become that person. So a lot of it is just like a mutual respect I guess we have for each other too and 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 going through this kind of at the same time in our I mean we're seven years apart but we're you know we're doing it at the same time you know she's chasing something and I'm chasing something Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of a neat thing and again tying back into my kids you know they're seeing it it's not a story that I'm going to tell 25 years from now as an old grandpa you know that I might change a little bit about how I you know went up and down the pole I did my four up downs in four minutes you know I might you know, embellish it a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, oh, <yeah. laughs> but they actually see it. You know, they, they saw me come home, barely walking, you know, mm-hmm. they, they know what climbing class is all about. They see my wife not sleeping much or literally falling asleep with the books on her or coming downstairs to get away from me snoring upstairs <laughs> to do her, her work down here. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my inspiration. So I think both of us together are uh, hopefully showing some good examples for our kids. Yeah, there ain't no doubt in my mind, bro. Your your kids are definitely getting the the whole thing there, right there. You know what I mean? You're you're living proof of what a man and woman who are focused that there's nothing you can't accomplish. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's 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 awesome, brother. Yeah. Um, Thank you. What I wanted to ask you, brother, last question is: uh, What are your aspirations for your children? What do those look like? It's 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 funny because they see what we're going through right now and I guess my my biggest conversation with them about this is I don't want you guys to be chasing your dreams so late your goals Mm. you know I didn't even know about the line trade you know if not for my neighbor I don't know about it you know it's uh you know my neighbor uh introduced me to it you know with nursing with my wife I mean my wife's been a bartender for since I met her Mm -hmm. she came here um, I met her in 02 and we got married in 04. She mm-hmm. still works at the same bar that I met her at. It's gone under different ownership, but you know, she's worked like her work gave us the advantage of never needing daycare, you know, because when the kids were younger, she would work night shifts and she was with them. I would come home at night. I was with the kids. So it's weird how the timing of our lives kind of coincided to actually benefit us because I was home every day, but I was home at night. Mm-hmm. my wife would work at night but you know was with the kids during the day so no daycare didn't cost us that extra money plus we had you know the influence of my wife being around her all the time or around them um i don't want them to work as hard as i have to 
you know, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I could easily choose the easier road because it's not about the money anymore for me. It's definitely about really that, that, that sense of brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I want my son to experience that, but I also, you know, I will understand if it's not something he wants to do. My, my daughter, she wants to be a therapist, you know, she, and I've told her, I mean, she has a great opportunity because my kids both have dual citizenships because mm-hmm. of my wife. So they're both Czech Republic citizens and U.S. citizens. Mm-hmm. So for my daughter, she's already talked about wanting to go to school in Prague to study there at, at an American uh, university there. Mm-hmm. And I said, that'd be fantastic. I'm like, you have family there. You know, you can stay there. We have a, we have an apartment in Prague where she could stay actually. Like you would be set. Like if that's something you want to do, but you know, start focusing on start focusing on it now. You know, while you're in high school, start planning for that move. I mean, enjoy your high school, but think of that so you can chase after these goals and dreams way sooner <laughs> than your mom and I are doing. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I yeah, yeah I, I just hope I hope that they're better than. I don't know if better is the word. There's probably a better, more, and I don't even know if successful is the word that I could use, but maybe call it be successful sooner. I think my wife and I have been successful in life Mm -hmm. through our friendships, our relationships, you know, our jobs. I think all of that has made us who we are, obviously, but Mm -hmm. I I just wish they can get an earlier start on that, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, and um, it's really cool though that, there is no excuse. You mimic that for them. There's no excuse. You know what I mean? And that's what you and your wife have both showed them, you know, yeah. yes. um, there ain't no doubt in my mind, they're going to be successful, you know, and uh, I wish you the best of luck in your career. And I know you're starting off, you know, and uh, you got a while to go. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> keep your head up, keep paying attention to detail and uh, just keep up the hard work, Vlad. I mean, it was uh it was an inspiration just getting to meet you and just being able to deal with you on the pole yard and uh, teach you some things and, uh, you know, um, just keep it up, brother. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. I, I was really uh, taken aback when you asked me to want to be on here. You know, I did my research, found out all about the show up there. And I thought, wow, this is a great podcast. This is uh, something that means a lot for me, for you to ask me to be on. You know, it meant, it meant a great, great deal to me. So I really do appreciate you for that absolutely vlad and once again thank you for coming on here bro and just sharing everything you know to our audience you know i know it's going to encourage a lot of fathers out there just be better you know like we're trying to do here on this podcast so you know letting them know that they're more than just a paycheck you know yeah absolutely and once again thank you thank you to my homie i want to do a shout out real quick to uh my buddy justin g you can follow him on Instagram. He's got the trade brand and uh, he's doing some great things for hardworking blue collar dads out there. You know, all work, no handouts. Um, follow him. He's got a awesome merchandise that he just put out there. And uh, once again, this is David from the show up dad with my guest, Vladimir. Thank you once again for coming on and uh, keeping that show up dad and keeping more than just a paycheck guys. Thank you.